Morning, folks. If you don't know me, that's my wife, Patricia. Everyone calls her Patty, and my name is Roland. Uh, we come from Brackenfell uh, Congregation. We lead there, and uh, we try to help lead all these congregations in the north. It's really hard work because we are a bunch of young guys, and they're quite... No, they're good. Don't want to say anything bad. I'm going on leave. I haven't got time to fix anything up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, we're going on leave at 6 o'clock. I've got a leaders meeting this afternoon. I want to tell them how to do it, when to do it, and not to phone and only. But this morning, it's just wonderful to hear what Andrea had to say last night. And uh, it's a time of transition for Brett and Abby as well. So he was speaking about the fact that sometimes we have to change comms and it's difficult and it's, it can be a bit prickly because you don't know the people. And our nature is that we don't like the unknown. I don't know about you. I, it's, I, I've found it easier to greet people and know them after 27 years of ministry, but when I started out, I was terrible. I would hide behind my wife and I'd push her forward and ask her to say hello. Because she's just like this bubbly, beautiful person. And so Brett and Abby are going through that today. They're coming into this new synagogue, a new congregation, where I believe that God will use them tremendously as they support and uh, push Rion and Helen forward and the rest of the elders together, just uh, making their contribution. But uh, this morning as we were worshiping, I, I just felt the Lord uh, remind me of a time in my life. It was July 2016, and I used to enjoy exercising. Well, not exercising, walking, and uh, if you can call that exercise, but I, I would... And I found myself unable to walk from one pole to the next without resting. Because what I do is, you know, you walk three poles and then you run two poles. And I found that very helpful and it worked for me. But I found myself unable to do that. And so Patsy happened to mention it to a friend of hers that uh, then knew another lady that was the wife of a cardiologist. And uh, within an hour, uh, that cardiologist's wife phoned us and said, please, Lou, his name's Lou, wants to see you. You can all have a drink. Because he's concerned. I was 2016, 40s. 55. I was 55. You'd never say it, eh? You didn't even think I was 55 now. But he said, please come in. He wants to do a whole lot of tests to make sure that my heart is fine. And so today, I just, for starters, then I'm going to carry on with that story. I got myself into a very unhealthy space. I'd allowed myself to become overweight I was 130 kgs, and because of that, I developed secondary diabetes. And so then, back to Lou, 
he went and he started doing all these tests. And when I was 46, I'd already had a stent put in my heart. Stents are generally used for cholesterol because they open the blockage and they put a stent in to stop it collapsing. And so he did a whole lot of tests. And then the sonar woman that had done all the sonars came in and she just said to him, you, you can't just, you need to take him into the cath lab. And we need to look at what's going on because things are not great. So we went into the cath lab. Lou said to me, Ach, you don't have to worry. Um, we probably have to put two, two or three stents in and you'll be sorted out. And now having known what I'd been through to have a stent previously, it didn't concern me because I had the stent on a Friday and on Sunday I was preaching. I wasn't supposed to be, but I was. And so we went into the cath lab and I wanted to look because what happens is they inject you with this dye in your blood and then on this big screen, bigger than this, like four of those, they look at uh, the blood flow through your heart and all your veins that you have. And so I wanted to look because the first time I'd looked and I could actually see where the, where the blockage was. And so I wanted to look and Lou said to me, no, no, keep your house, keep your, your head this way. And so after they'd finished, he came over and he sat down next to me and he started crying. I said, Lou, what's the matter? He said, Roland, we can't give you stents. We have to give you a triple bypass. You see, sugar, sandblast, the inside of your vein, until it's too thin to work and then it collapses and it cuts off the blood flow. Stents are not long enough to bypass that problem. So they have to actually go and they take a vein out of your leg uh, and they actually bypass those, those veins that have collapsed. So I came out of that. Well, I didn't see myself. Obviously, Patty saw me came, coming out of the operating theater. She thought I was going to die. Because you're on a ventilator, you've got all these drips and bags and stuff hanging out of you. It looks really bad. Your color's all wrong. And uh, obviously she was concerned. And then they put me into ICU to recover. And I think they told Patsy to go home. Come, she can come back the next day. Because within that 24 hours, they generally they take out the ventilator. And uh, there's just a few things left. I remember looking at my heart. They had this like probe in my heart with this meter hanging off here. I'm like, what's that? I know if your heart's rhythm gets wrong, we can fix it up without having to do anything at the time. So, as they say in Josh Jen, long story short. Hey, don't you think that's what Josh Jen's saying? Long story short. And uh, I went through the recuperation, but now there was one thing that I didn't know was that to get your heart going, they pump you full of adrenaline to get it to beat. And the, the, the surgeon actually said to Patsy, my heart is very strong. It was the veins that were the problem. And uh, if you know me and you know my history, I'm actually, I was declared bipolar, diagnosed with bipolar in what year? No, 2006. You see why I'm bringing it along? 
If anyone makes an appointment, I say, babes, is that in your book? Because I am hopeless at times and dates. But when they pumped that adrenaline in, it affected me. I went totally manic. I was not a nice person to be around. I remember Andrew and, and, and Andrew and Russell. It was over the conference time just after that. They actually sat me down and said, Hey, Roland, we don't want you to do any ministry because you are hurting people. You be, when you're manic, you become very aggressive. Um, you uh, are out of control, as it were. You know, people can't actually say to you that sin because it's actually you are out of control of your emotions. Something has gone wrong. And so then after that, I went into depression. I remember as I was going into depression, it was Pierre and Juliet's wedding. Uh, I think it was April the 8th or the 9th, somewhere there. I remember Abby standing up to give her speech. And I was just sitting there and I said to Andrew, when you go into depression, you can't do anything. So I spent three months there in depression, and then I started to come out. And thank the Lord, I've never gone back there since I've come out. But I had to be in a place where I was resilient. The word resilient means able to bounce back. When, when, if you take a sponge and you squash it, and then you let it go and it jumps out like that, that is resilience. The ability to bounce back. You are able to recover. You're able to finish strong. Because you are resilient. And so this morning I thought I'd just give a couple of, of things. that What a resilient person looks like. And I think what Andrew was talking about last night. If you have to relocate or whatever the case may be. You need to be resilient. We planted a church in Nelspruit. I want to tell you it was the most difficult thing I've ever done. I'm a mechanical engineer, and I went to plant a church. So I was busy tightening nuts and bolts in people's heads. But I really, I didn't have a clue. And so we had to be resilient, otherwise we wouldn't have made it. But thank the Lord, that church that we planted is probably in the region of about 3,000 people now. Um, thriving down there in the low salt. Then we went up to Benoni and we had the whole same story. There was, there was chaos in the eldership. We had to actually stand the whole eldership down. And Patty and I had to look after 200 people on our own. And with people that were not happy because of what was going on. But eventually we got it to the place where it, it was a delight to once again uh, lead, a, lead a church with an eldership around us. But what does it look like? to be resilient. The first thing is Matthew 7, verse 24 to 27. To be resilient, we need to be able to face storms because we have a firm foundation. You have, if you don't have a firm foundation, you're not going to bounce back. Even in storms, we need to be able to live out God's words and not Satan's suggestions. Because I had that operation, I have to take cholesterol medication. So it drives my mouth up. I'm not nervous. You guys are such a beautiful looking bunch. 
So to, to be able to stand up and come back, you need to be based on God's word. Otherwise, when the storm hits, the house will come down. And I've seen so many people walking with God, finding themselves in a place where they're not resilient and falling away and backsliding. As leaders, as saints, we need to be those looking for people that are struggling, that we can strengthen their foundations for them. We need to saturate ourselves with prayer and the Word. I remember praying the Lord's Prayer when I was in that heavy depression. I said to Him, Lord, I can't hold on to You. I need You to hold on to me. But you know what? God just brings the Scripture back. You're able to pray. You're able to speak the Word of God. And uh, it helps you to pull through. So we need to love God, love people, live out God's and God's instructions. We can't do it if we don't know it. Number two, to be resilient, we cannot allow circumstances to pull us down. That thing of my heart, I could not allow that to pull me down. But one of the reasons that I pulled through it is because I had a family around me. Josh Jen was incredible. They, for over a month, we had food every night. We had people praying. We had people visiting. We had people just coming to be there for us. I won't even tell you the rest of the story. (laughs) My wife lost her ear during this time. I had a Rottweiler that bit her ear off. One week after I had this operation, the devil tried to kill us. But we didn't allow these circumstances to pull us down. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Guys, you need to be part of a family. That is the thing I learned during that time. If you're not part of a family, you're going to go down. On your own, you can't do it. Number three, to be resilient, we cannot conform because we must transform and renew daily. We all know the scripture, Romans 12 and verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. There must be change on a daily basis. If you're finding yourself where tomorrow is the same as today, you need to get hold of somebody and say, listen, I'm struggling Please help me. I find the biggest problem with Christians is actually admitting to their weaknesses. One thing, another thing I learned in Josh Jen was the thing of accountability. Before I came to Josh Jen, I didn't know what accountability was. I led the church. I was the the main honcho. I could tell everyone what to do, how to do, when to do. And it's amazing because sheep like to be told what to do, how to do, when to do. They do. They like to be told those things. But accountability says, how are you doing? 
Now, just recently in Brackenfall, we got a lady that's a fantastic worship leader. We've had to ask her not to stand down, but to just step back and, now, and allow the Lord to work in her heart. Because I could see there was something of repetition and, and not uh, what the Lord wants to work with. And we, so we asked her, and she was actually very open to it. She wasn't against it at all. One of the words here this morning was, to be resilient, we must remember in the dark what we learned in the light. In China, they get like a little one page of a Bible. And then it gets taken away. But what they need to do is they need to learn that thing off by heart before, they, before it gets taken away. So that when they're in the dark, in the, in the jail, wherever they get taken, they don't forget what they learnt in the light. We need to take the opportunity. In John 12 and verses 1 to 3, then Jesus told them, you're going to have light just a little while longer. Walk. While you have the light, before darkness overtakes you. Guys, we, do, we don't know when this is going to take place. This could take place at any time. For years, Andrew's saying, we may have to go underground. That's the reality. There may be a time where we have to uh, live in, in the darkness, and we need to learn, remember what we learned in the light. Number five, resilient people need to cultivate Christian character. Gifts are given by God. Character is grown in your life. We need to produce fruit for those around us to eat of. We can't expect God to give us character. We need to develop that in our lives. We need to be those that are, are growing in God. We're spending time in prayer, spending time in the Word, spending time with people. Because the Word says iron sharpens iron. One thing with having the young guys in our hub, we have to sharpen them all the time. Because they were like, he just wants to overwork himself. Seven days a week, seven people a day he wants to see I just said to him, you can't do that, Ruan. We're going to have to get someone else to come and run this congregation if you carry on like that. Resilient people harness their emotions. We walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes you're in a difficult place. But you have to walk by faith in what God has spoken into your life, what His Word says, what you've seen prayed, what people have said to you. We need to deal, resilient people deal with sin quickly. Don't hang on to it. Who knows what tomorrow holds if you hang on to it? You need to deal with that stuff quickly. We need to live in the fear of the Lord. Not of man. The fear of man is a snare, the word tells us. And as, when we live in the fear of God, we will fear nothing else. Resilient people know how to resist the devil. Otherwise, he will sap your strength 
And in doing that, you will not be able to bounce back. James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You you know what the most important part of this scripture that people often forget? People often say, resist the devil, and he'll flee. You need to just back up a little bit. Submit yourselves to God. Otherwise, you can resist and shout and scream all you like. He's not going. He's not going. I want to finish off with this. And just open your hearts this morning. To be resilient, we have to put our hope in the Lord. Waiting is active, not passive. What am I talking about? Isaiah 40 and verse 28. It says, He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. If you weary, God will give you strength and increases the power of the weak. If you're feeling powerless, God will give you power. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope In the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be be faint. When we were in Nelspreet and Patty would come to me, she was doing three jobs so that I could plant a church. I said, I'm tired. I said, go and wait on the Lord. Go and wait on the Lord. I know that was hard, but actually it was the right answer, but maybe in the wrong place. That word hope, some translations say wait. It means to entwine yourself around the Holy Spirit. If you look at a vine, on its own a vine is very weak, but when it attaches itself to a wall and it grows up the wall, it actually takes on the strength of the wall. And then it is strong. Wait on the Lord. And then I just want to finish with this scripture. 1 1 Corinthians 4.20 For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And this morning, as I finish off, before we pray for Brett and Abby, I wonder if you could just bow your heads quickly. I really came here this morning and I've heard the words and I I feel it lines up with all those words. That there are some here who have allowed themselves to leak. Because we like clay jars. We don't just hold the moisture in, but we actually leak out. And if you don't top up, eventually the plant will die. Because you have leaked. And this morning I want to say to you, if you're in that place, and you know what, it it shouldn't be embarrassing. If you're at this place where you feel, hey, Lord, I, I need you to come and refresh me. If you're in this place this morning, I wonder if you need to be refreshed. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, should I or shouldn't I, I want to say to you, it's better to be overflowing than to be leaking out. 
And if you look through the book of Acts, this, there's a continual refilling and infilling of the Holy Spirit into the people in the book of Acts. It wasn't a once-off thing. It was a continuous thing that happened over and over and over again. And so I want to, I want to give you the opportunity this morning. If you hear this morning and you feel like, hey, I've, I've leaked, I'm half full, I'm three-quarters full, whatever the case may be, if you, for, because of circumstances, because of where you find yourself in life right now, I wonder if you want to stand up. Be brave. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. Just stand up. Courageous people standing up all over the show. It's wonderful. My faith is built as you guys stand. Because I believe I've heard God as you respond to what I have to say. Lord, I wonder if the people around them, I wonder if you guys could all just come forward quickly. Let's do this. We don't, I don't normally do this, but I wonder if you could just come forward. I want to get people to come and pray for you. If you're a deacon or an elder or a saint in a good place, I wonder if you could just come up and help me to pray for these people. If there isn't enough people to pray, just use both hands for different people. Yeah, that's it. You just need to be the conduit. You just need to open your heart as you just minister to these people right now. Lord, Lord, just come right now. Come right now, Lord. Yes, Lord, I just sense your presence right now among these people. Just powerfully here this morning, Lord. Come, Lord, let none miss out this morning as they have responded. Lord, I pray that you would come, that you would fill, that you would touch, you would change. Come, Holy Spirit. Come among your people. Come among your people. Come and refresh and revitalize. Come among your people, Lord. It's you. It's Jesus. It's you that gives your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, because Jesus loves us, and He wants the best for us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just as we're keeping our eyes on the Lord. Don't be distracted. Just you and God. Just you and the Father. Just you and the Son. Just you and the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for these wonderful people, Lord. Guys, just as we're praying, as others are praying, we're going to have a, we're going to worship As we, we're going to exalt you, Lord. You are all-powerful. You are the God of 
second chances. You are the God that gives hope. You are the God that makes us resilience. You are the God that gives us strength. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. Just begin to exalt the Lord. Mm-hmm. 